Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your people. I pray in Jesus' name that your spirit would fall. Your word is preached in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to just share uh, just a few words that I want to I want to make very familiar uh, to the church. We love God and we love people. Can you say amen? We share salvation found in Christ. Can you say amen? We're making disciples. Can you say amen? And we do life together one more time. Would you say amen? And I'm so thankful that this is a church that is fulfilling the Great Commission. I, I want to say thank you to everybody again for uh, Thursday night, but I do want to jump right into the Word this morning. Nehemiah 2, and if you'll turn there. And this, uh, the book of Nehemiah is not a, a really long book. I, I've read the entire book of Nehemiah this week uh, four or five times. It doesn't take a long time. And there's so much uh, gold in it that I could never in uh, 15, 20 minutes here, I could never cover uh, the, the root of the book of Nehemiah. I encourage you uh, to go and check it out uh, later on. Go read it. I, b- I believe that the Lord will illuminate to you like he did to me uh, how much gold is in this. And I want to just read in chapter 2 just a little bit. And it, it says these words, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your fake face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very afraid, but the king said to, but he said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city. Tell your neighbor, send me to the city. In Judah, where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it, then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will your journey, your journey take and when will you get back? And he said, if it pleased the king to send me, so I will set a time. I said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governor, governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Ashraf, keeper of the royal park, so he'll give me timber and beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall for the residence I will occupy. I will, and, uh, and because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted me the request. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king also had sent army officers and cavalry with me. In a very familiar passage in Sembalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite heard of this. They were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And this morning, I want to use a subject that is, is um, it's been ringing in my spirit because I've had a lot of people uh, really graciously ask me about uh, my journey and where I am right now in life. And I love this story about Nehemiah because he's being sent 
to the city, and that's my title this morning, Send Me to the City. But the truth is it wasn't about Nehemiah. It was about the community he was being sent to. I love this church. I love being a part of of the ministry here and in the body of Christ here because it's never been about a person. It's never been about uh, one family or a, a clique of people. It's always been about a group of people that were concerned for the welfare of the community that they live in. I love that about this church. We're talking this morning about small groups. We don't do small groups because we need more to do. We do small groups because we want to welcome people that haven't found a place here in the row that you're sitting in, but they might come out to a barn and drink coffee and a hot dog. Amen. We do what we do because we're concerned. We're not selfish people. We're not a selfish type of people. We're the type of people that are concerned for the well-being of others. And, and I again, I love this church because of that. Th- that. And in the world we're living in, uh, we're, we are being taught by culture to have a me mentality. And, and I, I won't mention politics much, but we live in, in a world like n- no other time in history where politics on both sides of the aisle put their interests before the people's interests. You say, well, how does that happen? Whenever you do something just to get a vote, it's not for the benefit of the people. It's for the benefit of the people that are being voted for. And so we're teaching a culture, we're teaching a mentality of not for the people in the community, but we're teaching a mentality, culture is teaching a mentality that what I do, what benefits me and my own, pictures and and needs and wants and everything is about me. And I want to just for a few minutes this morning encourage us all and remind us all. I don't want to tell you anything you don't know. I just want to remind us all that you've never lived before until you did something for someone who can do nothing for you in return. You've never lived until you hand a Thanksgiving dinner to someone who wouldn't have turkey and and gravy and and stuffing. Amen. Can I get an amen? you'll, You'll never experience all of what God has for you until you do something for an individual where you benefit not one bit. There's tons of opportunities here to serve. There's tons of opportunities here to to live an unselfish life. And when we talk about tithes and offerings, and I won't spend any more time on that, but when you give, you tell yourself, you tell your spirit, I'm not a selfish individual. I care for the needs of other people. I'm worried, I'm concerned with the needs of other people, not just in this place, but beyond the walls. If you're selfish, you can't give. If you're selfish, you can't be on time. If you're selfish, you can't be loyal to your friends. If you're selfish, it's hard to raise kids. Because everything about parenting is about giving up what you want for the benefit of your kids. Can I get a good amen in here this morning? Paying bills, paying tuition, paying for food is being a father. It's being a mother. And the me syndrome is destroying families. I read articles uh, 
uh, psychology articles on divorce all the time. And it all goes back to one issue. Someone in the house is selfish and self-centered. And the minute that they're not pleased about what they're receiving in the four walls of their home, all of a sudden they're ready to run out the door and find someone new to tell them how great they are. But the problem with that is they end up finding out the same thing down the road. We have to come to a place where we don't just live for ourselves, but we live for the people we do life with. It's about giving ourselves and our families away and giving ourselves to something so much more than ourselves. Send me to the city is saying, send me to something bigger than me. That's why I love serving here. That's why I love being in this place, because this is so much bigger than one family or a group of 16 elders families or a group of, of, of the 10 a.m. service or the 8.30 service. This ministry is so vast, and when you get involved and you, and you put one foot in front of the other and say, I'm not going to live a selfish lifestyle, all of a sudden this download from heaven comes to you and you receive what you never could otherwise. In the text today, we're not looking at a prophet. We're not looking at a pastor. We're not looking at an elder. We're not looking at an ambassador. We're not looking at a king. We're looking at a normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill type of guy that's just working a job. Nehemiah has no position. He has no skin in the game. He's not working for a family. He's not working for, for some benefit for himself. He is serving the king. He is serving the kingdom that he's living in for the benefit of others. You say, how is he doing that? The cupbearer in the scripture describes a person who takes food and drink and tries it before the royal family eats of it because if it was poison, they could have a coup within the, the kingdom and overthrow the empire. And, and in this portion of scripture, Nehemiah steps up to the plate and says, I'll be the guy that tries the food. I'll be the guy that tries to drink. How many of you know I wouldn't want that job? Amen. He's physically risking his life day in and day out. And can I tell you today, the roots of serving, the roots of an unselfish person, the roots of, of giving of yourself and understanding that life doesn't revolve around what I want and how I feel and, and what side of the bed I got up on in the morning, the roots of it start at a very young age. And Nehemiah is a Jew in this scripture, and he's serving the Persian king, King Artaxerxes. He's serving, and he's doing a job, and he's extremely selfless, and he wasn't worried about what he wanted. He had a heart to serve others. And my first thought this morning, your destiny is hidden in your history. Learn service now, and it'll work for you later. See, Nehemiah had just a heart to serve people. He had a heart to serve the kingdom. He had a heart to serve the king. It, he didn't have a heart to, I'll serve if you make me a promise. I'll serve if you guarantee me a wage. I'll serve if you give me an employment contract. He's there for the benefit of the king and the king's family. He's there for the, for the kingdom. And we need to learn to be there for the benefit of others, not just ourselves. 
The things you do and will do might not seem related, but they will serve you in your future, and I bet they're serving you now. I wouldn't want Nehemiah's job. I, I, I wouldn't care for it. But it's the root system of an unselfish individual. And, and, and in this scripture, I couldn't help but relate it to parenting. If we don't plant seeds of unselfishness, we won't reap them as kids grow up. I can see a mile away in my two sons, my wife, drilling into them, your needs aren't as important as the people that are around you. The people around you, the people you interact with, they come first. Let them decide where we go. Let them decide what we eat. Let them decide what you wear. Let them decide. Put their needs above above your own. And all of a sudden, as young adults come to fruition, and I got to brag on my boys, and I got to brag on Parker, and I got to brag on Kai, and I got to brag on the kids of this church, because what you're seeing come into fruition is what's been planted by parents. What we do daily that's beyond us, what will people lose if they lost you? How are we affecting lives other than our own? And Nehemiah at a young age is learning to live a life of selflessness. The king's father had been poisoned, and Nehemiah steps up to the plate and says, I'll try the food. And understand that in the previous text, follow me on this for those of you that are familiar with it. Someone comes, a Jew comes to Nehemiah and tells Nehemiah, hey, did you hear about home? Nehemiah's never lived at home. His ancestors have lived at home. But someone comes to Nehemiah, a Jew nonetheless, comes to Nehemiah, and this Jew's not worried about what's happening at home, but shares it with Nehemiah. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah comes to this place with information that's shared to him about his ancestors, and he said, I can't let it go. And the Bible describes an individual who can't eat, he can't sleep, he can't go throughout the day because he's so upset about what's happened at home, a home he's never saw. When will we come to a place where something bothers us and we do something about it? My second thought this morning, things will bother you that don't bother others. Catch this. The guy, the Jew that tells Nehemiah about back home, it didn't bother him. He just went on with life. Uh, man, that's too bad for them. That really stinks for them. But Nehemiah, did you hear about it? That guy walks away from it. But Nehemiah steps into a concern for the people that he's related to, to his ancestors. And there's a God in heaven encouraging you and I to change the things that bother us. It's like saying that your purpose is held in your passions. Catch this statement. The things you can't stand isn't a clue that they should do something about it. It's a clue that you should do something about it. Brad came to me a few years ago, and he said to me, Hey, what are we going to do about the ushering in the back? We need more people back there. We need more people smiling, shaking hands, hugging people, loving on people at the back of the door. And I said, Brad, you're hereby dubbed into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go love on some people at the back door. And you know what's happened? He's built an army at that back door. 
There's 50 greeters. There's 50 ushers at that back door loving on people as they walk into the house of God. Something's got to bother you. Something's got to irritate you. We were, we were somewhere with a bunch of kids, and, and my, there was a conversation happening, and my sons were present in the conversation. I was kind of off to the, to the side, and, and there was a conversation that happened, and, and I was mad as a hornet after I heard it. I mean, I was torched. They knew I was mad. And we got in the car, and I said, I'm not mad that that individual said what they said to that other individual. I'm not mad about that. What I'm mad about is that you stood by and listened to it and didn't do anything about it. There's got to be something down in you that stops in the moment and said, I will not allow that. I will not stand by and watch that. I will not let that go. That bothers me too bad. Things have to bother us. All kinds of ministries have been birthed by that in this place. PJ&J. There's all kinds of people on Wednesday night on PJ&J because someone said we need more women's ministries. Because somebody said we need more women outlets. Uh, Ladies of Light has started. There's 20, 30 women meeting on a Wednesday night. Something's got to bother you. Something's got to inspire you, not just to say, hey, there's a problem, but love says, there's a problem, and I'm going to do something about it. Things have to bother us to the point where we get involved and make the change. Things you can't stand isn't a clue that they should do something about it. It's a clue that you should do something about it, that I should do something about it. Until we go to bed worried about people outside of our immediate family, we're not living. Nehemiah was upset about people outside of his circle, and I could say so much more about that, but I'm going to wrap it up. This means he cared to the point where he did something. It didn't say that he was afraid and ran off to the hills. It said that he was afraid and he stayed. He actually had to think about how do I tactically address what's bothering me. And he goes before the king and we know that God planted Nehemiah in the in the Persian Empire. We know that God put him in the right place at the right time. And can I tell you, you might not believe it, you might not see it, you might not understand it right now, but God's got you in a place when the time is right, when 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 everything gets put together just right and God in heaven says, I'm going to upset the apple cart in this life. I'm going to upset someone's spirit. All of a sudden your purpose comes alive because something bothers you. And the king asks a question to Nehemiah. He notices something's bothering him. And the king asks a question that I believe with all my heart that many people are being asked today and they're so frustrated with it. He asks the question, what do you want? What, what you have in your heart, God will show you what you truly want. Sometimes the hardest question to answer when you've been a self-reliant person all your life is, what do you want? The king says to me, what is it you want? And Nehemiah goes on to say, I prayed to the God of heaven, and then I answered the king. We have to pray 
and, and not tell God what we want. We have to pray and ask God what we want. There are people frustrated and aggravated and mad and upset. And when you look at them and say, hey, uh, can I just ask you something? What do you want in life? They don't know what they want. We have to ask God in heaven what we want for ourselves because he's the one that knows. Nehemiah has a favor on his life to be sent to this city. And Nehemiah asked the king to underwrite the whole project. And not only does the king underwrite the project to rebuild the wall, but the Bible says that Nehemiah got bold. He says, hey, could I have some lumber to build my own house too? And the king gives him the, gate, the, the lumber to build the gates and, and, and to build the sheep gate, the Bible says, and, and gives him enough lumber to build his own house. And he walks into Jerusalem with a person that has provision from heaven to accomplish what God... Can I tell you something in here? We have done incredible things in the last five years. And God has provided a way. Man, we got projects going on all over the place. And we're believing God to supply every need, to pay every bill. And you know what? The more we believe him, the more he does it. The more we believe him, the more we see it. And that's where Nehemiah is. The kindness that was shown to Nehemiah by the king was actually the kindness of the Lord. Jerusalem lies in ruins. I'm finishing with this. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned to the ground. All the systems are torn down. And the Bible says Nehemiah gets to, to Jerusalem. He rests for three days, and the Bible says he goes out at night. While the guards are sleeping, he went out to inspect the walls. He looked to see what needed to be corrected and repaired and saw the walls laid in ruin. My last thought today, when you have a heart to serve others, how many of you have a heart to serve others? Just wave at me. When you have a heart to serve others, God will illuminate in you and let you see in yourself the boundaries you need to protect what God is wanting to do through you. Do you really think I'm preaching about Jerusalem this morning? Do you really think I'm talking about the walls of Jerusalem this morning? I'm not talking about the walls of Jerusalem. Listen to the word of the Lord. The Bible says a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. The Bible says that he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city with broken down or without walls. The Bible says that above all else, guard your heart because everything flows from it. If we can't control ourselves and, and we just let anything come in and out of our city, God will never take us to the city. It's not that you're bad. It's not that you're weak. It's that your walls are torn down. In the scripture, walls were boundaries. And you were defined by them. All throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament, they were boundaries. They had lost their boundaries. And that's how the enemy snuck in. Every sin that attaches itself to you is allowed because a lack of boundaries in a life. You're depressed. You're fearful. You're angry. You're insecure. 
maybe you're greedy. It's not because you're a bad individual. It's because you've let your walls down. In any area we are defeated in, it's because of our lack of boundaries. Structure and organization. Boundaries keep the enemy out. And it's interesting. Sam Ballot, who you know about, and Tobiah, who you know about, come up to Nehemiah and say, Hey, Nehemiah, come down off the wall. I, I want to talk to you about something. You know why they came? Because they were allowed to go in the city. Oh, let me get what I want. And go out of the city, and it costs them nothing. What is coming into your city? It costs them nothing, but it costs you everything. What has been allowed to come in and come out and go here and go there? And it costs them nothing, but it costs you everything. What's taking advantage of you because your walls aren't in place? And God wants to send you to your city. God wants to send you to your ministry. God wants to send you to your calling. God wants to send you to something bigger. But you must learn to rule your own city before you rule someone else's city. I know I'm preaching to somebody in here. The Jews are in the temple. You read the Bible for yourself. They're in the temple singing the praises of Zion, the Bible says. They're in there praising. Lord, you're great. You're wonderful. You know how everybody says, uh, worship's my weapon, worship's my weapon. Well, can I tell you today, they were worshiping, and you know what was still happening? The enemy came in and came out. Came in and came out. You know when they begin to worship? And they begin to see a flourishing in the kingdom when they set the boundaries back up. I'm done with this. The boundaries were all knocked down in Jerusalem. This is my favorite part of the whole scripture. The rocks and the rubble, the Bible describes them as charred. They were burned to the ground, bashed to the ground. You know what they used to rebuild the walls? They didn't use what wasn't left. They didn't use what was stolen. They used what was left on the ground to rebuild the walls. Before you go into Thanksgiving, before you go into Christmas, before you go into the New Year, take what you have left and begin to place boundaries. I'm going to read the Word every day. I'm, I'm going to, I don't care no distraction. I'm not making plans from this time to this time. I don't care hell or high water. I'm reading the Bible every day. I don't care. Uh, I'm not going to become too busy. I'm going to pray for 15 minutes every single day. I don't care hell or high water. My kids and I are going to sit down and we're going to read a devotional together. Those are the boundaries. And God is calling his church, not just this church, not just Genesee County. I know a lot of preachers. I know a lot of Christians. God is calling the Christian community to walk away from the things that so easily entrap us and begin to build boundaries that we will not allow certain things. We will not stand for certain things. We will not call evil good and good evil. We will place sound boundaries in place. And I love it. I love the, the story of Nehemiah. All of a sudden, Jesus called. Amen. All of a sudden. All of a sudden, 
the city began to flourish. Do you know what could happen in your life if you put up boundaries? Do you even have a clue what God could do in and through your home? I had a set of parents come up to me several years ago and say, what are you doing for, for youth? What, what are you teaching the youth? What, what's going on? I begin to describe, oh, I think you need more. A couple weeks went by. Same family walked up to me. And God just poked my spirit. I said, hey, guys, I said to the kids, what devotionals are you doing at home right now? Oh, we don't do any devotionals at home. We don't do any reading at home. We, we never read our Bible. The kids just went, bleh, told me it all. How many of you know the kids will tell it all? Anything you lie about, they'll tell about. Those are the boundaries that we need. And I'm calling the church. I'm calling you. I'm calling every dad and mom, every son and daughter. I'm calling you to set up boundaries. To not just let anything come. My dad talks about Halloween. Listen, I'll put on whatever suit you want me to. I'll dance around with candy and I'll preach the gospel to you. But there's certain things we can't let in. There's certain things we can't allow. There's certain things we can't let be taken from us. Can I get a good amen in here? I'll maybe say I need some boundaries. Lift your hand. Father, in Jesus' name in this place, I pray for sound boundaries. I rebuke the enemy and his tactics. And I call forth, Father, your word says you give beauty for ashes and a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. You said that you'd give back what the locust and the canker worm has taken. And I believe you in this season. I believe you in this house. I believe you in these families. I believe you in this place. That, Father, in Jesus' name, that everything that's been taken would be fully restored. We thank you for it today. Thank you for your word. I pray that your word would continue to come alive in this house. Let it come alive. Let it be an eruption of your word, an eruption of your thought. Continue to feed me as I preach the word, even as I stand here. Feed my spirit as I preach the word. I thank you for it. I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a good praise this morning? I love you all, those of you that have watched at home. God bless you. I pray the word has touched your heart. Have a great day. And one last thing, the most spiritual thing, go Bills. Amen.